0: Christ, God in the flesh, for you and
1: for the forgiveness of your sins. God fills us with his love, and it overflows in an abundant way as the people of God that he has called us to
2: be. From Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska, this is Proclaiming the One with Pastors Clint Poppy and Adam Moline.
1: Welcome once again to Proclaiming the One, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, Vicar Daniel Golden, and uh, we have a uh, special guest here, but uh, she doesn't have her headset on, so we're not going to let her talk, are we? We Uh, can. Okay. Vicar's Vicar's daughter, Kelly, is with us today, and... uh, just so you know that is her favorite song on our intro that oh that. So if you love it or hate it, now you know who to give the credit or the blame to. We uh, gather each week on proclaiming the one. We take a look at the upcoming readings for our Sunday worship. Today we're going to be looking at the readings for the third Sunday of Easter. You may or may not be allowed to go to corporate worship by the time uh, these readings are given. If you are shut in, uh, we just encourage you to uh, go to church anyway. Um, There are many, many wonderful ways through our radio station, through the Internet, through YouTube, podcasts, many ways for you to hear the Word of God, and we pray that our study of these words for Easter 3 would be a great blessing for you. It is Good Shepherd Lutheran Church that we are privileged to serve at. And so these readings are kind of extra special for us on this third Sunday of Easter in the one-year series of readings. Vicar, take it away. John chapter 10, verses 11 to 16.
2: Jesus said, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd.
1: One flock, one shepherd, and Jesus uh, identifies himself here as that shepherd, but not any old shepherd, not the mediocre shepherd. Um, Sometimes people look at that and they go, oh, good shepherd, as in like, okay, he's good. Um, why didn't he say, I'm the great shepherd, I'm the magnificent shepherd, I'm the shepherd of all shepherds? Um, in the first two verses here, Pastor, of our text, John 10, 11 to 16, in uh, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And then he goes on to say what the good shepherd does. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The way I like to look at verse 11 is the way we talk a lot in the church, uh, the way we talk a lot as Lutheran Christians with regard to Jesus, his person, and his work, who he is. And what he does. And uh, this is beautifully outlined in verse 11 for us. Let's, let's focus in on the identity of Jesus. Uh, first of all, Jesus says, I am. And I know that's significant. But he says, I am the good shepherd. Uh, thoughts and comments on the identity of Jesus as he reveals here in the first half of John 10, verse 11.
0: Well, yeah. Uh, Who is he? Uh, He identifies himself with the words, I am. In the Old Testament, when uh, God appeared to Moses, and Moses says, well, what should I tell people your name is? He says, I am that I am. And every time in your Old Testament, you see the word Lord written in all capital letters or small capital letters, uh, that is uh, an abbreviation for I am that I am, which is there in the Hebrew text. Uh, So that's the very name of God, I am. And so when Jesus says I am, he's identifying himself as the God of the Old Testament, uh, the God who spoke to Moses, the God who led the people through the Red Sea on dry ground, the God uh, who did all those great miracles in the Old Testament. And then he says, I am the good shepherd, uh, meaning the one who cares for the flock provides for the flock, keeps it safe, and watches over them and leads them. And we're going to hear more about that if we spend time in uh, these verses of John chapter 10. Uh, We hear how the good shepherd keeps his sheep near. He speaks to them his word, uh, and the sheep follow that voice because they know the voice. And so all these things, this is who Jesus is.
1: Okay, so we have this I am. So Jesus is specifically saying that um, he is God. So there's no one that can claim that, uh, that Jesus never identified himself as God, um, You know, maybe a type of God or a son of God. But by using that I am statement, he's making that absolutely clear. Am I on the right path here, Pastor?
0: You're absolutely uh, correct. In fact, there's places where, um, for example, when Jesus says, before Moses was, I am, uh, they understand exactly what he means, that he's identifying himself as God, and that's why they picked up stones to throw at him, uh, because saying, I am in this way, was very
1: clear, and nobody uh, was confused about what he was saying. So we we have this clear identifier, and for our hearers, don't let anybody... Uh, feed you the lie that Jesus never claimed to be God. This is something that was uh, imposed upon Jesus years after he led. None of that kind of stuff. Jesus clearly uh, announced that he was God, and uh, he would not have been guilty of blasphemy uh, with the Jewish ruling court if uh, he had uh, not claimed to be God. There's another part of that puzzle. Now, he says, I am the good shepherd. Now, that brings about many images. Uh, We think of Psalm 23 right off the bat. We have uh, a great passage that will be our Old Testament reading that we'll get to in a little bit from Ezekiel 34. Why is the shepherd picture or the shepherd imagery so often used for God in relationship to his people?
0: Well, uh, the truth is is that that's who they're descended from, right? Uh, The Jewish people are descended from Abraham, who grew in wealth and prestige uh, by being a shepherd, by raising sheep and uh, growing more and more of them. Uh, This is the same for Jacob, uh, for Isaac, uh, for the people of Israel as they continue to live in the promised land. Uh, There's not tons of good farming land in the Holy Land, but there is tons of good grazing land, and so that's the people's identity. So God uses this because it's a picture that they can well understand and clearly identify who does what in their relationship with God in this way.
1: Vicar, the distinction is made throughout our text (laughs) comparing the good shepherd to a hired hand. What is the difference between a good shepherd and a hired hand? Well, I think really
2: speaking, the good shepherd has a vested interest in us because he is also the God who created us. We are his possession. He's not just simply somebody working by the hour or by the day for us and doesn't have that. Deep interest in us.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's spot on. In verse twelve, uh, talks about uh, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep. Okay, so we have this vested interest, this ownership thing that is brought out, Pastor. Aside from the fact that God created people. What is implied with regard to this ownership aspect of the Good Shepherd?
0: Well, uh, it's not just that he created us. I mean, I could create a loaf of bread, but it could belong to someone else if I gave it to them or if you know they had purchased the materials. And that's the thing that I think is behind that is that ownership of us not only is that he created us but also that he purchased and won us from sin death and the power of the devil not with gold or silver but with his own holy precious blood innocent suffering and death so that we may be his own and live under him and his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness innocence and blessedness Uh, that's
1: implicit in this particular understanding so um it brings to mind the, the story of, I don't know, have you heard the, the story of the little boy in the boat? The little boy in the boat. The little boy saves and he saves and he saves and he buys this little little boat. And he goes and he waits for a rainstorm and the rain comes and he puts it out in the the gutter alongside uh, alongside the curb of the street and the boat is floating and all of a sudden a big wave of water comes and the boat goes faster than he can run and he runs and he runs and he runs but he can't catch that boat. And then weeks later, he sees his boat in a store. Somebody had picked it up and taken it to a store. So he works and he works and he works and he saves money and he buys that boat again. He buys it back. He owned it and then he ended up buying it back. So that boat was special to him because it was twice bought. And it's, you know, somebody made up that story. It's a cute little story. But I think it does give a picture of what you what you were talking about there. God created us and when we went astray. He bought us back, and he didn't work and save his pennies. He bought us back with the precious blood of Jesus. That's what makes this text so rich, because it not only identifies Jesus as the good shepherd, but it clearly tells us why the good shepherd came. In the second half of verse 11, Pastor, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Why is that? thinking about how a typical shepherd takes care of the sheep. Why is that the craziest thing that anybody could ever say, that the shepherd would lay down his life for the sheep?
0: Well, uh, in comparison to the sheep, uh, the shepherd is much more valuable, right? Uh, And uh, I guess in comparison to God, God is much more valuable. It wouldn't make sense for an all-powerful, almighty God to— die to rescue people just like it wouldn't make sense for a a valuable shepherd to die to save one sheep let alone the whole flock Uh, especially you know just get more sheep right Uh, why why die for that there's lots of sheep in the world and so that's the unique thing with Jesus is that he's willing to lay down his
1: life to forgive us from sin uh, and to grant us eternal life with God in heaven and that's what separates the good shepherd from the hired hand the, the hired hand would look at the sheep as nothing more than property. But the good shepherd looks and sees value in the sheep that no one else would see to the point where the good shepherd would even lay down his life for foolish, wicked, wandering sheep. And uh, you, you don't have to be a sheep farmer to realize who the sheep are in this picture in God's Word, it's us. We are the ones who foolishly wander. We are the ones who listen to any and every voice except the loving, caring, nurturing voice of the Good Shepherd. And as we go on in this text, we're gonna talk more about the voice of the Good Shepherd and what it means to know the voice of the Good Shepherd. We need to take a short break. This is Proclaiming the One. We're looking at the readings for the third Sunday of Easter. We'll be right back. Don't change that
3: dial. You are listening to KNNA LP, 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska.
1: Welcome back to Proclaiming the One, Good Shepherd Sunday, the third Sunday of Easter. The King of love, my shepherd is, the Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. So many wonderful images in scripture with regard to Jesus as the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. We're looking at John 10, 11 to 16. Pastor, uh, when we went to break, we, we talked about the hearing of the voice of the good shepherd but before we get to that i want to i want to continue this contrast between the good shepherd and the hired hand in verse 12 of john chapter 10 it says he who is the hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep And flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. We got a pretty, pretty important word picture here going on with regard to the danger that the sheep are in. And the danger, specifically mentioned here in John 10, is from the wolf. Uh, Can you talk about who or what this wolf is? And how does the wolf snatch and scatter the sheep? Well, um, the
0: wolf, to give it just one uh, idea of who it is, is probably selling it a little short. But we as Lutherans would probably be comfortable saying it is sin, death, and the power of the devil, uh, specifically Satan, uh, and his work in the various things that he does here in this world. And he is able to scatter, um, the sheep in a variety of ways. He scares them. Uh, he uses, he's, he preaches a different word than the word of the good shepherd. He obscures the voice of the good shepherd. Uh, and he uh, uses his teeth to frighten them and to kill them and to uh, try and lead them away from the Good Shepherd or get between them and the Good Shepherd. And that's kind of a, a helpful thing in thinking about how Satan is at work in our world today as well.
1: In uh, First Peter, <laughs> we have the picture of the... Uh, devil who roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he, he may devour. Is, uh, is that roaring lion from uh, Peter's epistle the same as the wolf here in uh, John 10? Yeah, definitely is. Um, and
0: I think that's what we have to be aware of is that Satan doesn't want us to be saved and to go to heaven. He wants us to have the same wretched punishment that he's getting hell, uh, damnation and separation from God from all eternity. And he's angry and like angry people often do, he wants other people to go down with him.
1: Now at the, at the risk of, um, Uh, treading on some very, very thin ice. We've seen a lot of things happening in our country and in our world recently with regard to Christians being discouraged from uh, corporate worship, Christians being forbidden from corporate worship. Christians being ticketed to for uh, for going to corporate worship. And I realize we're in emergency situations and and uh, Christians want to love our neighbor and we want to do things for uh, for the sake of our neighbor and we want to follow the law. But at some point in time, pastor, could this be the devil, the world and our sinful flesh scattering the flock by teaching Christians that they don't need to gather for corporate worship or that somehow that is not essential?
0: Uh, I mean, I think definitely that's Satan's goal in the midst of all this. Uh, just like uh, many politicians, he doesn't leave any crisis unused. Um, he takes advantage of them all. Uh, what What Satan doesn't know is that, well, maybe he does know it, but he doesn't care When the church is persecuted or fought against or uh, placed under quarantine or things like that, uh, God actually teaches his faithful people how important God's word is and being in church is. And so while the church might come out on the other side smaller, it will be stronger because those who are still in the faith will find so much importance in being in the Word on a regular basis and not letting it be taken away from them again. So the the old way of saying it is the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Uh, In the face of persecution, God's Word still does its work and and perhaps even
1: in a more— uh, complete fashion than other times. The book of Hebrews teaches us that Christians should not forsake the gathering together of the saints. And for a time, we can uh, we can hold back on the freedom, the privilege that we have to worship corporately in this country. But at some point in time, uh, God knows what he's doing, and it is the corporate gathering together of brothers and sisters in Christ that is vitally important for Christians to know that they are not alone. And this is how God serves them in both word and sacrament. Jesus took on flesh and blood, and then he calls us to be flesh and blood bodies, the body of Christ gathering together corporately with Christ as the head. And I think, uh,
0: you know, the listeners out there, This is how one of the ways you can tell if your pastor is a good and faithful pastor, and I don't want to focus this on. you know you and me Clint but um, across the whole nation if you're listening uh, if your pastor is working hard doubly hard twice as hard as normal getting the word and the sacraments to you in the face of this quarantine uh, praise God for that because that's how God promises to work and uh, now we can see some of that clearly if your pastor is just kind of letting things go um, then that's uh, a different matter but praise
1: God if your pastor is bringing you the word faithfully in the midst of this. Amen and need- you pray for your pastors during this difficult time. Um, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. That word to know, gnosis, to know is a very, very important word in the Gospel of John. Um, Is this like a simple, you meet somebody on the street and you kind of recognize them? Or is there something more going on here, Pastor?
0: Well, um, It's not just like, hey, I know you because we met 20 years ago. It's actually an intimate knowledge, a firsthand knowledge, a, um, you know, I don't want to get too far down this path. But um, in marriage, in the Old Testament, we use the word, uh, Adam knew his wife Eve. And it means an intimate relationship is there, and I'm not saying that that's necessarily the case with us and God, although our relationship with God reflects that, uh, and that's the important thing that's here in this particular
1: word. And that's where we get a different uh, metaphor of God's love for the church. Christ is the bridegroom and the church is the bride. So I think that that uh, knowing that intimate relationship that only a husband and wife share with each other, that is reflective of this intimate relationship that the good shepherd has for his sheep because he laid down his life for the sheep and three days later picked it back up again. Um, and then he goes on to compare this, this knowing this relationship, this mysterious relationship, divine relationship that the father and the son have together is reflective of the relationship that the shepherd has with the sheep. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Does this passage, uh, that is so often abused and misunderstood. Does this passage teach us that uh, there are other paths, other religions that will go to heaven, uh, these other sheep, uh, and that Christianity is not exclusive? Uh, No, it
0: doesn't mean that at all. Uh, What it means is that there are people that are not Jewish uh, living in Israel in A.D. Thirty that are going to be saved. There'll be French people who believe in Jesus who are saved. There'll be English people who believe in Jesus who are going to be saved. There's German people who believe in Jesus who are going to be saved. There's Iowans who believe in Jesus who are going to be now, saved. There's a foreign country. And, for and it, maybe yeah. even Ohio State fans that who believe in Jesus that are going to be saved. And uh of all these other folds, whoever trusts in Jesus Christ will, as it says in the next little bit there, be brought into the one holy Catholic Christian
1: church, if you will, and that's where their salvation will be had. Okay, so properly understood, this is not talking about all faiths lead to the same place. This is talking how the Good Shepherd has died not only for the Jewish nation, but he has died for all people. And the gospel message is to go out to the four corners of the world because there is salvation in no one else aside from our Lord Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. Vicar, it says, they will listen to my voice. Do we have like some special audio or YouTube recording of Jesus' voice? What are we talking about here?
2: Well, his voice is certainly found in his word Um, because his voice does not, it's not confusing. It doesn't have disagreeing parts to it. His voice is one that we will know, we will recognize, and we will listen to. And actually, I find this as a word of comfort, too, because upon that last day when Jesus returns, we will recognize him. We won't sit there and wonder, is this Jesus? We will know his voice because we are his sheep.
1: Pastor, how how should people know whether they are listening to the voice of the good shepherd or whether they're listening to voices of uh, a hired hand or a false shepherd?
0: <laughs> well, if— um, if your pastor tells you to, uh, listen to his word, and then see if you have a burning in your bosom or a warming feeling in your soul, you're listening to false teachers. Uh, But if you study your word and uh, the, the Bible, the scriptures, and the things that your pastor is teaching match up with that, that's a good sign. That means you're listening to the true voice of God. And so that's the way that you are able to tell if your pastor is faithful is if you also study the word and make sure the things they're saying match up with that. That's an important job for lay people to do.
1: We're not talking about some sort of cult here where you listen to every word that comes out of your pastor's mouth and accept it as the gospel truth. We study the scriptures. We compare the uh, preaching and the teaching of our pastors to the word of God, the Bible. And this is why it is so vitally important for every one of the sheep to read the Bible, to learn, study, and inwardly digest the words of the Bible. That's how you know the truth, the voice of the shepherd. And the more you hear it, the more you long for it. In our time that we have left, Pastor, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. Does this mean that we should tear down all the divisions between the different denominations that exist and we should find a common denominator and all be one, sing Kumbaya, and move on with our life? What is Jesus saying here with regard to the one flock, one shepherd?
0: Well, um, he's talking about the invisible church, uh, and we don't get to see that with our eyes. But it already does exist, and there's nothing we can do to call it into existence, uh, or to stop it from being existent. It's God's work that does this, and the uh, the word. Uh, creating faith in faithful Christians of all sorts of different denominations is what brings that one holy Christian church into existence. And there are Missouri Synod Lutherans who are in it, and there's Missouri Synod Lutherans who are not in it, just as there are Catholics who are in it, and there are Catholics who are not. And all of it has to do with faith in Jesus Christ. And so we do our best in this world, despite the divisions and the sadness of those divisions, to hold to the truth of God's word, uh, knowing that faith comes by
1: hearing and that that word is important for bringing the church into existence know the voice of the good shepherd that voice is for you it will sustain you in the faith we need to take a break we're looking at the readings for the third sunday of easter when we come back we're going to look at ezekiel 34 don't change that dial you are
3: listening to KN. LP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska.
1: Welcome back to Proclaiming the One, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, Vicar Golden. We serve the saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. On this third Sunday of Easter, we're looking at the readings for Good Shepherd Sunday. In our first two segments, we looked at the gospel reading, John 10, 11 to 16. And now in our Old Testament reading segment, we have Ezekiel 34, 11 to 16. Vicar, take it away.
2: For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong
1: I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. All right. We have uh, amazing words from God, the Holy Spirit through the prophet Ezekiel. We can see why this text was chosen for Good Shepherd Sunday with the uh, obvious Psalm 23 and shepherd sheep images that are here, there is a phrase that sticks out again and again and again, three times by my count in these words from Ezekiel 34, where thus says the Lord God, I, I myself, I myself. I myself, that's in verse 11 and then in verse 15 and then toward the end of verse 15, almost in verse 16, three times, I myself, uh, pastor, what is, what is God saying when he says, I my sh- myself will be the shepherd. What, uh, what's happening here? Well, it's kind of a
0: humbling thing to us as pastors, isn't it, when uh, God says that? Who is it that brings people into the church? We pastors like to think that it's us. We like to think, oh, I preached a good sermon this week. Uh, that'll really get them. And we like to think, you know, I'm I'm so handsome, and, uh, you know, I fill out uh, the alb and the chasuble so well, and I do things just right with my hands during the prayers, and that's why people come to church. Uh, but God teaches us it's the opposite there, isn't it? It's God that calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the entire church in Christ and keeps it in the one true faith. Faith. And he teaches us with those words, I myself will search for the sheep and will seek them out. I will bring them into the church. I will save them. I will rescue them. They are my possession,
1: God says, not uh, our not us as pastors. In uh, in the book of Ezekiel, there's a bit of a problem with the shepherds. And God is uh, condemning and chastising false shepherds, bad shepherds shepherds. What does it it say with regard to the state of the shepherds in Israel that God says, uh, I'm not going to let you do it anymore. I myself am going to do it.
0: Well, uh, the the shepherds in ancient Israel, this is uh, right at the time of the fall to King Nebuchadnezzar in the Neo-Babylonian Empire, 580s uh, BC. Um, The shepherds then were preaching not God's word, but rather their own word. They were... Uh, using their positions as pastors to gain for themselves financially, uh, politically, things like that, as we oftentimes uh, see today. They were taking over the church, um, but... To be fair, 100%, that was bad for the the pastors and priests at that time, but the truth is there was also a problem with the people as well who weren't listening to the pastors, uh, perhaps because the pastors weren't preaching God's word. It wasn't calling, gathering, enlightening, and sanctifying the church. And so there's a problem with both the sheep and the shepherds as both, and that's why God comes in to sort things out.
1: And uh, I think that speaks volumes to shepherds, pastors today. Uh, If you think your church is growing because you're a people magnet or if you are more focused on dollars and seats rather than the souls of the people that God has entrusted to you, um, God's going to take that away from you. And God will God will raise up faithful shepherds uh, and he himself will take care of it. And uh, we have we have examples of this all throughout the history of the church in Ezekiel 34. We have, we have an aspect going on here. You know, John 10, we talked about Jesus, the good shepherd. He lays down his life for the sheep. He picks it up. He speaks a pure voice. Here, we have a focus on, I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all places. Um, this seeking out and this rescuing aspect of the work of the good shepherd how does that connect us to jesus and then by extension to the holy christian church
0: well um Christ is the one who goes out into all the world and calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies it, bringing it into the one true Christian church. Uh, People from every country in the world, every land, every faraway place, Christ brings them together. And we see this most clearly, perhaps, in Pentecost, when people from all over the world are made Christians. Uh, Especially, you know, considering Ezekiel's time period when he's writing this, the Jewish people have been led away into exile in Babylon. Some of them have escaped down to Egypt. Some of them have escaped northward into uh, Turkey and uh, faraway places that they didn't even really know that much about at the time. And so it is called the Great Diaspora, and God's saying, I'm going to put you back together into one people. And he accomplishes that through the life and death of Jesus Christ, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, and is still doing so now through the preaching of the gospel and the administration of
1: the sacraments faithfully. In verse 13 of Ezekiel 34— God says, I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries. Bringing them out from where they are. What, what is this word picture uh, and what is the problem with where they are that they need to be brought out of that particular situation?
0: Well, the word picture is uh, if sheep are scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness, uh, say a, a, a thunderstorm rolled in and the shepherds were, you know, sitting in their tent screwing around instead of watching the sheep, when they finally got out to go look for them, the sheep would be. In little crevices they would be uh, in under bushes they would be all over the place in danger in danger uh, even as they were trying to escape the clouds in the thick darkness and it's from all those places that they're being called out and gathered back together into the one flock as Jesus said in the gospel lesson that happens then through the voice of the Shepherd the Good Shepherd who calls them with his word and uh, brings them into salvation
1: the word picture goes on here in Ezekiel 34, and we don't have time for a close examination, but if you, if you want to compare the words of King David in Psalm 23 with our Old Testament text here, uh, Ezekiel 34, 11 to 16, there will be a many, many wonderful comparisons. I want to skip down to the last verse, verse 16, and we have some promises here. In Ezekiel thirty-four sixteen, that we just we just need to explore. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. We've got four things that God as the shepherd promises to do for the sheep. Pastor one or all of them in any any particular order that you want?
0: Well, I think they're all things that a shepherd does, right? He brings back the lost sheep into the fold so that they can be a part of the flock. Um, he binds up the wounded sheep so that they can grow and uh you know, bear lambs or or whatnot going forward. Uh he strengthens the weak, uh gives them food, brings them to the the good pasture and whatnot. Uh these are the things God does for us in our sin. He cares for us and provides for us. And, and you didn't read this part, but the next part is the fat and the strong. I, I was, will saving, destroy. That. I was oh, saving that. I was saving that. That's okay. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I think that's important as well. That's what happens to uh, fat and tasty sheep, right? Is you you butcher them and you eat them, and and um, they're they're the ones who had confidence in themselves and look at I've got it made in this world. Everything's going my way. Well, those are the sheep uh, that get tasty faster than the other ones. And so they do get destroyed. And so God is being a good shepherd in that way, uh, making sure that all are
1: cared for. And most importantly, that their faith and their trust is in their shepherd. So by looking at those, <laughs> those four wonderful promises, <laughs> and then that word of judgment at the end of verse 16, would you say that we have a proper distinction between law and gospel that is flowing from this text? There definitely is,
0: and uh, it's Scripture, God's Word, all God's Word properly follows uh, law and gospel. And we see that there, the warning, if you trust in yourself and you love this world, that you'll be destroyed, and the promise that uh, uh, if you trust in God, you'll
1: be cared for. I will seek the lost, God says through Ezekiel. Uh, how do sheep get lost?
0: Well, um, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side, uh, maybe would be the analogy that we could use. They think another pastor is doing a better sermon. They, you know, are, my my child just feels like uh, this is a better place for them. Their worship service is a little bit more peppy or whatever. They find reasons to get lost, and maybe that's the way to say it without getting into any specifics. Sinful people find reasons to drift away from church. And praise be to God that uh, he uses things like what's going on now, pandemics and difficulties, to say, no, listen, here's where you really need to be. This is what's important. Um, God's word, church, uh, that's the
1: important things. Yeah, we didn't have sheep on the farm when I was growing up, but we had cattle. And it was amazing how often the cattle would not eat the food that we fed them. They would rather stick their head through the wood uh, pieces of the fence and they would get their head somehow through there and eat that grass that was just, they could just barely reach it. And then they would get themselves in trouble because they couldn't get their head back out Mm -hmm. and they were stuck. And without a farmer to come and gently sometimes with great danger helping that cow or that calf to get their head back in the fence they would have died and that's what i think of when i when i think of all the ways that silly foolish sheep get themselves in trouble help i've fallen and i can't get up and there's the good shepherd seeking the lost Binding up the wounded, giving them everything they need to support their body and life, the rich waters of holy baptism, the great food of word and sacrament. The work of the Good Shepherd continues on now through faithful shepherds that Christ puts in his church. We need to take a short break. This is Proclaiming the One. We're looking at the readings for the third Sunday of Easter. When we come back, we're going to take a look at First Peter chapter 2. Don't change that dial.
3: You are listening to LP, 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska.
1: Welcome back to Proclaiming the One, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, Vicar Golden. We serve the saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. At the present time, our corporate worship services are still suspended. All of our regularly scheduled worship services are broadcast on KNNALP 95.7 right here in Lincoln. If you're outside of our listening area, you can listen on the website, www.thecross957.org. Many, many wonderful resources have been gathered together on our church website, goodshepherdlincoln.org. You can see our worship services and our daily devotions that we're producing during this time of suspension uh, on our YouTube channel, Good Shepherd Lutheran Church media. It might be a little bit different way to hear the word of God, but we encourage you to listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd in as many different ways as you can and pray that God would bring us back quickly to the corporate services of God's house. The epistle reading for the third Sunday of Easter, Good Shepherd Sunday, 1 Peter chapter 2, 21 to 25. Vicar. For to this you have
2: been called. that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls.
1: All right, there, that last verse, uh, 1 Peter 2.25. You can see why this uh, epistle reading was selected for Good Shepherd Sunday, talking about the shepherd and overseer of our souls. But we've got a lot of stuff to uh, talk about before we get there. Uh, Vicar, right off the bat, it says, To this you have been called. Um, what is God through 1 Peter chapter 2 here through Peter, uh, teaching Christians with regard to their calling. How have we been called?
2: Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because the verb here isn't the normal uh, voco for, vo- for vocation. This is actually kaleo, and this is to be called by a literal voice that you hear. And we hear this voice through the word of God. That is how we have been called. That is what has brought us to faith. That is what uh, has let us know what Christ has suffered for
1: being us. And we have been called by that voice. And uh, many people believe that uh, First Peter was an early catechetical letter. Uh, It is immersed with God's gift of baptism. And many of us, in fact, most of us, were probably called by God through the word in the waters of holy baptism. When God spoke his word over us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. To this... You have been called. Pastor, you know me. I like to ferret out what's behind all these uh, prepositions and prepositional phrases. What is the this that God has called us to?
0: Well, uh, it is submission to worldly authorities, human institutions, governments, and things like that, even if you are suffering and being persecuted, abused, and killed as a result. Uh, And he says, you know, when you are submitting yourself to this government and this persecution, what you do uh, is you still seek not to sin, but to rather to be a Christian as you suffer and are persecuted. And, and he says specifically the part this is counting as uh, what credit is it if is it? if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. It's to this that you've been called, to suffer um, for doing good, to suffer for caring for your neighbor, to suffer for being faithful to our Lord. That's what you're called to do.
1: Well, I haven't heard that on uh, in churches, evangelism campaigns. I haven't seen billboards around the country saying, uh, join the church and suffer with Christ. Um did Christians somehow miss this message along the way? What's what's happening, Pastor? Well,
0: it is kind of sad that maybe we don't uh, advertise this more because this is the real life-changing thing from the way the world worked at the time this was written. Um, in the... The ancient Roman Empire uh, what you wanted to do was to gain power and prestige and the way you did this was by owning other people slaves servants and things like that they suffered so that you could not so that you would have all the power and prestige even you know togas right Um, the outfit that they wore you to wear a toga you had to keep the end of it always in your left hand and this was a symbol that you didn't have to work hard because you just carried your toga uh, with your left hand that was the hard work that you did And Paul's saying, no, you're given here to suffer, to care for the people around you, to uh, put yourself out there, to put yourself on the line, to take care of other people. Why? Because that's what Christ has done. He came into the world not to make you his servant, but rather to serve you, to suffer, to bleed and to die, to forgive you all of your sins. And now that that has happened for you, you are set free from the way the world
1: works to do this for the people around you also. This passage talks about Jesus as our example, uh, leaving you, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you as an example. Pastor, Lutherans don't like to talk much about Jesus as example. So two-part question. What's the problem when you look at Jesus as example? and why is it vitally important that true christians look at jesus as example Well,
0: um, the danger of looking at Jesus as an example is if you look at him only as an example, and the problem then would be is, uh, well, Jesus did this, this, and this, and so if I want to be saved, then I have to do this, this, and this, and that puts salvation not upon the shoulders of Christ, but rather upon our own works. And uh, when we look to our own works, that's always self-justification rather than Christ-justification. Now, at the same time, uh, it's not to say that we as Christians don't look to Christ and his example, because we need to, because we're called to live a holy life and to serve the people around us um, and to sacrifice ourselves for the people around us if necessary. And, and this is a problem that a lot of churches have today. They say, well, Jesus came and died for your sin, but now you can do what you want to do because his forgiveness counts for you. And that takes out the example part. And so both parts are true, and yet justification is only found in the work of Christ, not in the work of us or ourselves.
1: I think uh, many, many Lutheran pastors uh, try to go too far one way or the other with this. I know several years ago, the whole what would Jesus do craze was out there and bracelets and necklaces and T-shirts and all that kind of stuff. And um, because we fail to properly understand how Jesus is our example, Uh, we're almost afraid of these kind of Bible passages here. We look at them as being too moralistic or whatever. That's one of the beauties of the one-year series of readings because the epistle is almost always a practical application of everything that we have learned. Jesus is our good shepherd. Jesus has laid down his life for the sheep. Forgiveness, life, and salvation is ours, not by any That we do, but because God did it Himself. He sent His Son to bleed and die and rise again. And we are forgiven, we are redeemed, we are restored. And now, as Christians, we should live our lives in a Christ like way. It's not going to get us to heaven, but this is our new identity in Christ. And uh, to, to not be like the world, reviling others when we are reviled, uh, trusting in our own self rather than trusting in the God who loved us and gave himself for us. Um, by his wounds, you have been healed. A quote from Isaiah 53. And for you were straying like sheep. We all like sheep have gone astray. Peter using this Isaiah 53 language, picture, metaphor, right here and right now. Why is he doing this in this particular way in 1 Peter chapter 2?
0: Well, it's teaching us who Jesus was again, that he's the one who sacrificed himself, or, you know, we just had Monday, Thursday, right, uh, where he washed the disciples' feet, and he said, just as I washed your feet, now you go out and serve your neighbor. Uh, That's what Jesus does, and the greatest way that you can do that, uh, no greater love is there than this, one give up his life for his friends, and that's what Christ has done, and as Christians, that's what we're called to do and free to do uh, in the salvation won by Jesus Christ, and so this this is the identity of Christ
1: and little Christs are what we're supposed to be as we deal with the people around us. You were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and oversee of your souls. What did I do to return? How did I do it? When did I do it? Help me help me understand this, Pastor. Well um before
0: God created faith in you, you did nothing to return. Uh, He called, gathered, enlightened you, and sanctified you by the power of His Word, by His calling. And now that you have been set free and given faith and are in the Word, now you do actively act like a Christian in the sense that you want to hear God's Word and go to church and bring yourself to receive the sacraments and things like that. And so. To be a Christian at the beginning is to receive the call uh, from our Lord and to receive the gift of faith from our Lord. And now as a Christian made alive in Jesus, you continue to go to where the gifts are
1: given. I like to think of this returning, uh, return to the Lord your God. We sing that during Lent. I like to think of that simply as repentance, properly understood, being sorry for my sin and believing that my sins are forgiven on account of Jesus Christ. Vicar, you want to bring things to a close by praying the colic to the day for the third Sunday of Easter.
2: Let us pray. O oh God, through the humiliation of your Son, you raised up the fallen world. Grant to your faithful people, rescued from the peril of everlasting death, perpetual gladness and eternal joys, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
1: Amen. Amen. For Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, Vicar Golden, and Kelly. Kelly, do you want to say hi to your mom? Hi. (laughs) Well, there you go. A budding radio superstar. Sunday's coming, and uh, it'll be a little bit different and a little strange for many of you listening here. But when you get up on Sunday morning, read your paper. Drink your coffee. Pray for your pastor And however you can do it, through whatever technological need and means you can, go to church. God's richest blessings in the name of the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ, who laid down his life for you. See you next week.